It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Children inherit their intelligence from their mothers. So says a new report we were looking at earlier today. What do you think? It's the mams, it's the mothers that uh, hand on the intelligence to their children and not the dads. Have you anything, any thoughts on, on on that one for us today? If you have, we'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're going to be chatting about it throughout the course of the show today. We've lots of guests lined up over the next couple of hours. Great music. You're two on Tuesday. And of course, back to my artist of the week, Shania Twain. But I want to begin today with climate change. And first, let's have a listen to Antonio Gutierrez, the Secretary General of the UN at the opening of COP27 yesterday in Egypt. Listen to these words. In just days, our planet's population will cross a new threshold. The 8 billionth member of our human family will be born. How will we answer when baby 8 billion is old enough to ask? What did you do for our world and for our planet when you had the chance. This UN climate conference is a reminder that the answer is in our hands. And the clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. And our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. Those are damning words. They really are. And last year when COP26 happened in Scotland, we were all up in arms, so to speak, and all buoyed up uh, with a new commitment to work on this over the next 12 months. But really, has anything much happened? Now, events have been overtaken by world events for sure and the war in Ukraine. But still, this is dire. I'm delighted to say back with us on Late Lunch is Emeritus Professor John Sweeney, one of the leading commentators in this country and the world on climate change. John, welcome back to the show. Pleasure to be with you. When you hear those words, they really, I've listened to them several times since they were first spoken yesterday. They are frightening, to say the least. Is it true to say, John, that in the 12 months, really, we've probably gone backwards rather than forwards in addressing the issue? Well, I think uh, Antonio Guterres is, is really expressing with increasing alarm every year the fact that our window is closing and that unless we actually take radical steps, we are going backwards. And in the course of the last year, of course, we've seen the kind of immediate problems that people get worked up about in the short term. Uh, We've seen the problems of COVID. We've seen the problems of the war. We've seen energy problems, cost of living crises. And 
away at the back of that always has been lurking, if you like, the tsunami of climate change itself, which is trundling on, um, closing the window on us for taking positive action and effectively meaning that, as Antonio Guterres says, we're on a pathway which is leading really to, to a really bad outcome for not just the people that come after us, but even the people alive uh, in Ireland and on the planet today. The only chink of light I would see, and it's not a very good chink of light, is that the rate of increase in emissions has slowed down slightly in the past year. It's about 1% more. But really, that's a very small crumb of comfort because we know that the IPCC has said that we have to reduce our emissions by 45% by the next eight years. Otherwise, we, we hit those tipping points from which we may not easily be recovering. So it's a very small, if you like, crumb of comfort, uh, and it's all we can offer at this stage. But really, um, the big decisions, the big changes, um, the radical policy changes that are needed are not appearing. And that's because countries are like us. They, they act in their own self-interest in the short term. So they won't, um, they won't take those difficult decisions They'll leave it for the next government or the next politician to come along to do. So I, I would urge you to read between the lines what you're seeing in the media over the course of this week. You'll hear a lot of noble sentiments. You'll hear a lot of people saying that they're aware of how serious the problem is. But when it comes to the crunch, what are they actually going to do when they come back home, when they actually see what they can and can't do within the political constraints that they face? And that's where the real acid test will come, because that's where we will see where we're experiencing rhetoric and aspiration rather than implementation. And uh, we're very familiar in Ireland, of course, with that kind of procedure, because we're very good at making plans in Ireland and saying how great our plans are seeing how great our legislation is, seeing what our targets are. <clears throat> but when it comes to the crunch and we actually have to say to a sector of the economy, pull your weight, reduce your emissions by 51% by 2030, you, you hit a brick wall and you find everybody saying, OK, uh, but not me. The other person should do it. Mm. The other sector should do it. Uh, and that's where, of course, we, we hit the problem of, I suppose, intransigence with, uh, with these actions. So you're saying, no doubt about it, that climate change underpins an awful lot of the ills that we have and are experiencing in the world. And the other thing, like when you look at it, John, you talk about uh, political interest. The USA is distracted today with midterm elections. The government there, I know uh, President Biden will arrive afterwards. China are not there. Russia not there either. You know, you're talking about big, big uh, nations who emit huge amounts of carbon into the atmosphere. Uh, you know, and that that in itself it presents a difficulty. I know our Taoiseach Michal Martin at this minute is speaking to world leaders and he's renewed our commitments. But is that good enough, John? You're right. I mean, we, we've seen, for example, in the course of this year, China and the United States, who are the two biggest greenhouse gas polluters, formally breaking off relations in terms of climate change negotiations. I hope that, you know, that they will be resumed in some way informally over the next week. And, you know, I think we have to rely on, on some personal relationships that have been built up over the years. I know John Kerry, the, the US negotiator and his Chinese counterpart, have a very good working relationship. And I hope they can see over the short-term crises of, of, of problems between their two nations uh, and, and see the bigger picture here. But yes, I mean, when it comes to countries, um, some countries are already at the front line. I mean, we saw one of the most serious climate change disasters of the century um, in Pakistan in September, where a third of the country was underwater. Mm. Um, and can you imagine that in Ireland, for example? Yes. What, what would we be saying if a third of Ireland was underwater in terms of the loss of income, loss of produce, loss of food security? So for many countries, you know, that's, that's serious. And there's a very interesting 
development today in um, in Sharm El Sheikh, where some of those countries that are most affected, Tuvalu, Kiribati, where really, really they're going to disappear as countries in the next 50 years if we carry on at our present rate of emission. They have now called for a non-proliferation treaty for fossil fuels. In other words, saying fossil fuels are a bit like nuclear weapons now. We have to treat them as much in the same way. And let's sign up to non-proliferation in terms of new infrastructure and new exploration to force the pace away from fossil fuel infrastructure and, and uh, fossil fuel use in the years ahead. And that, that's something which, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see which countries will agree with that and which countries won't. Uh, that will be, again, the acid test of the difference between aspiration and implementation. Yeah, and hopefully it'll uh, work more effectively than the nuclear uh, proliferation treaties. But let's talk about us for a minute, John, because the Taoiseach is talking as we speak uh, to the to the world at the conference. What about ourselves here and uh, all the talk about uh, the wind energy that we can harness it? You and I have spoken about this before, wave energy, hydro. Y- you say words are well and fine, but how are we doing? Are we committed? Will we move in this direction, John? Well, this kind of a speech that you'll hear today, um, every world leader gets their five minutes of glory on the platform at COP. And what you find they say is that they all emphasise the positive aspirations that they have and the reality that they have. And in this case, the Taoiseach is, to his credit, um, promoting and promising more in the way of finance in terms of the, 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 least, the most affected countries and in terms of helping countries to adapt. But you will never find um, leaders saying, yes, that's all very well, but our emissions have been increasing this year. Um, we're, we're actually not complying with the carbon budgets that we set up in 2021. And that's very true for Ireland. We've already this year, sorry, last year, exceeded our annual um, our annual limit uh, under the EU obligations that we met. We have already exceeded uh, a lot of our carbon budget for 2021 to 2025, and it's going to be very hard to see how we're going to comply with that. But you won't hear people talking about our 21 to 25 carbon budget very much. You'll hear a lot about 2030 and 2050, which is nice. You can kick for touch very well uh, for those kinds of years. So in, our, in terms of our performance, the indications that we've had from Eurostat for the first quarter of 2022, and they're very unofficial, the indications are that Ireland increased its emissions uh, as opposed to the corresponding quarter in 2021 by 20%. So, you know, we're by no mm. means going down the road of, uh, of uh, meeting our obligations, of meeting our legal re- legally required carbon budgets that we spent so much effort and so much uh, capital, if you like, expended on to try and ensure that the legislation would hold us to run, hold us to account on. So I'm a bit worried that, you know, quietly uh, we're doing what we've done for 20 years, Mm. talking the talk but not walking the walk. And John, who is pushing this up or what in particular is uh, behind the increase? Well, it's um, primarily uh, agriculture, it has to be said. Um, agriculture now accounts for 37.5% of our national emissions. And the people of Ireland elected a government uh, uh, with a commitment to reduce emissions by 51%. That was the national effort. And the Doyle passed a bill to that effect by 129 votes to 10. Uh, now, when you start looking at them, who will actually work to achieve that 51%, you find that agriculture will are saying, well, we can only achieve half that. We're only going to go for 25, which puts a bigger burden, if you like, on electricity, on energy, on householders. Um, and and that's, uh, that's something which I think is not fair. Uh, I think uh, uh, we, we have to differentiate within agriculture between very good farmers. And we have a whole number of excellent farmers in Ireland are really uh, good farmers who are efficient, who look after nature, um, who look after good family farms. But we have a small sector of very intense industrial dairying. And that intense industrial dairying sector has grown enormously. We have about um, uh, half a million extra cows 
more than we had in 2011. And that's what's causing a lot of our problems to water, causing a lot of our ammonia exceedance problems that we also have. And I think that's where we should be targeting. And, you know, I I was looking today at the uh, average dairy income for a farmer uh, in 2021. It was €98,000. And the projected income for an average dairy farmer uh, in 2022 is €130,000. So the money is there to actually pull a bit more of their weight in terms of meeting the burden that we have to face. And that really is, is, I think, something that within the agricultural community, which I think is a great community, I think they have to look at each other and say, um, well, you can afford to do a bit more. Why are you passing the burden on to us uh, lower down the food chain, if you like? Mm. And that's that's something that I think we, we really have to get to grips with. Yeah, so we can talk the talk, but we need to walk the walk when it comes to this. That's the message you're uh, delivering to us today. Just before we finish up, I know people will be saying and listening to this, we're a small little country, five, six million people on the periphery of Europe the changes we make, will it make any difference? You know, you know, you've heard this, John, many times. You know what I mean? When you look at the USA, as you mentioned, and China there, two power blocks, and what they do, Russia and other huge countries as well. How do you answer that? Well, I would answer it if I, you know, what would you say to a farmer starving and his family starving today in Somalia mm. or in Eritrea? Um, you would say, OK, I haven't contributed too much to your starvation, but I have contributed a little. Uh, And that's very, you know, the ethical argument that comes out is that we can't point the finger at anybody else like China and the US if we don't get our own house in order. And our own house is not in order. We emit in Ireland more greenhouse gases than the 400 million poorest people on this planet. And that's a sobering statistic if you want to start pointing fingers. It certainly is, John, and that really uh, hammers the message home to us here. We all have a part to play. John, always appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you so much for joining me again. You're welcome. Take care. That's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney there, one of our foremost commentators and experts on climate change. What an appropriate song on late lunch today because all it's doing is bloody raining for the last few weeks and it's all down to climate change. It certainly is. I don't agree with your comment. I appreciate it. Listener says, John dodged the question, Jerry. The lad starving in Somalia will still be starving even if we go 100% green unless the bigger countries chip in. We're too small. The bigger countries must chip in. We said that. I said that as well. We're not too small. Our emissions are more. You heard the final line than 400 million of the poorest people in the world. We emit an awful lot. We've got to play our part. It's as simple as that. It's uh, too simplistic to say we're too small. We're all in this together and we'll all sink in it together for sure. Thanks for your comments. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Ah, Louise, and your children, the luckiest boys and girls on the planet. Of course they are. Don't know why, but they are. Well, why? they've inherited their intelligence from you. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> ah, now Louise, please, 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 take the kudos when you're getting them. That, yeah, that's the finding. That is the finding. That it is the oh. mums. They've been studying this and they've been looking at DNAs and trials and it's come out today that children inherit their intelligence from their mothers. Wouldn't agree. Do you not? Neither do I, by the way. <laughs> God, you're so Myself modest. and Louise are in agreement here for once, but in different uh, sort of aspects, we have to say. What do you think? Is it the mothers that give the children the brains? goes without saying, we all love to go out uh, for a meal, don't we? When we can, when we can afford it, and we love to be treated well when we go out and served well and enjoy the experience and come away feeling that we got value for money and that we were looked after. Well, that's the way I like to approach when I'm going out, to be honest with you. But there's a trend emerging and it's established in many places in the world, but it's certainly uh, coming into Ireland now, whereby robots are being deployed to servers in restaurants. Now, I don't know about you, I have me doubts about this, to be honest. I'll put my cards on the table straight away, but we're going to talk to two men now 
who are in the hospitality business and I'm sure they have views and opinions. In a moment, I'm going to be joined by Mick Hughes from the Stockhouse in Trim. But first, Mark McGowan, former president of the Restaurants Association of Ireland and famously of Scholars Townhouse and Peggy Moores. Mark, welcome to the show. We'll start with yourself. Mark, you've had experience of this type of service you were telling me earlier today recently. Absolutely. I hope you keep them well. I was at the Restaurant Awards, the Regional Restaurant Association of Awards up in Carrick, and at the corner of my eye, I saw a little robot coming towards me with some canapes, and I was absolutely fascinated. So it came over to me, and um, it didn't bump into me or anything like that. It was fine, and um, in front of me was an array of delicious canapes. I was able to pick one off, and then off he went again. I went on to his next uh, customer and the next person he was going to give. So absolutely fascinating. Uh, to see this kind of technology now in in operation. Uh, it didn't tip you. I take you didn't tip it. <laughs> there was unfortunately <laughs> no tip given. He didn't have hands. He just had a tray, so I didn't know where to put him. <laughs> person might get their hands on the tip as well. Maybe he just thought he was giving the tip to them. <laughs> Mark, in, in a general sense, so that's a practical, you've seen this operating practically. What about in your former role as president of the association? Is this in, in Ireland now? Are people deploying, uh, you know, robots to take the place of human beings? The first I saw, Jerry, I was at the World Restaurant Summit over in Chicago in 2019. And there was a whole section on robotics and um, how prevalent it's going to be going forward. There's no doubt about it. They had um, robot toilet cleaners. They had um, all kinds of different devices that were there to to help with the the problem of skill shortages. But to give you an example as well, in Chicago Airport, I went up and there was a bar sitting in the middle of one of these thoroughfares. I was able to sit there, order from an iPad, and along a conveyor belt came a... um, my nail. So it's it's something that's already been in place, I suppose. This idea is taking shape in a different form. It's more along the lines of a robot that's actually coming over. They seem to be GPRS coordinated and they can make their way around. You would you would have your so the restaurant and scholars, we would map it out table by table and these little devices. There's one called Keenon Robot, I think, and they're for sale. I was pricing them up earlier, they're at sixteen grand. They've cost about eight hundred and thirty three man hours. So I can't imagine, and the only thing is, they haven't got the soft skills, have they, that we that we require, that we're looking for when we go out for a bite to eat. I don't know what kind of personality you're going to have from a robot, and the soft skills are important, so I'd, I'd hate to see that authentic Irish welcome disappear altogether, you know? Oh, absolutely, Mark. The listeners are getting on to me here already. Keep your messages coming about robots. Yes, robots serving you in restaurants. What do you think? 086-1800-658. There's somebody in already. No, 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 please, Jerry. No robots. Maybe to clean the loose, but nothing else, says a listener to us today. Mick Hughes, Stockhouse Trim, let's be having you. What's your feeling about this? Now, Mick, I know staff are difficult to come by, for the hospitality sector would you opt for a robot ever? No (laughs) (laughs) Bye Mick (laughs) Hi Jerry and Mark thanks for having me on Um, no but bottom I I was at a a a major uh, tech thing in in Berlin four years ago and uh, down at the ICS down in Berlin and uh, there was these robots and and I was talking to a robot in, 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 in the meeting and then I left that place and we went up to Potsdamer Platz in the middle of Berlin, which is a good five, six kilometres away. Mm. And I was going, walking through the sunny centre there about three hours later. And this robot came over towards me and, and said, hi, Mick Hughes, how are you? Uh, did you enjoy yourself this morning? And start, so so I, I, I totally guess how advanced these robots can be and, and that, but uh, not in the restaurant, no. Uh, we we, we, we um, value the interaction with our customers. We value the interaction with our team, uh, our staff, uh, the ones that we have. Uh, the staff shortages issue is not uh, something at the moment because we, through circumstances that are going on at the moment in, in this country and, and indeed globally, uh, we've cut our hours back to such a thing that, that it, it actually solves itself for the time being because um, mm. we're, we're just doing tourists for Sundays now. But uh, like Bellabot going around the restaurant here, Bellabot... Uh, Still need somebody there to put the food on and take the food off and all of these things. Uh, so just, you're not really getting rid of staff. They have to know where Bella is. 
And I know where Bella will be after a week in this restaurant. She'll be in with Henry de Hoover in the press. Uh, she, she will certainly won't be doing that. And as I see, 8,000 8, euros of a toy. And then, then, you know what, Mick Hughes? You'll be abused on social media for, for treating uh, the robot so badly and locking it in the press. And they'll be on your case then. Oh, don't even get me started well, well, on that. Can you, 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 can, you can just imagine. I'm going to give you two scenarios here very quickly. One is the Sunday afternoon when everybody brings the family out and Bella comes down the floor and you have a trail like like Hansel, like like uh, the Pied Piper, Bella going up the floor with 20 kids running after it. Uh, not what you want in a restaurant situation. <laughs> then you go into a, a hen night and you uh, 15 ladies after a load of champagne at a table uh, interviewing Bella or, or the male version of Bella and asking them what else you can do. It's just not going to happen in a restaurant. <laughs> Oh, I'm just after thinking there. You've got me thinking now. You can redeploy the robot in slack times to do other things and after hours. Oh, my God. This is a family show. We better not go down that road. There's a listener saying, funny, Mickey, just listening to you as well, and to Mark. Jerry, I myself was in Vegas uh, three years ago. This is three years ago, they say. And a robot served us our drinks. It was amazing, says a listener. You know, keep your comments coming. 086-1800-658. Mark, back to you. In, in Mick is... Uh, isn't he on the money there? God Almighty, we can't make it so impersonal. There has to be the human element of service always. Absolutely. That's the fir- first and foremost for me, who's a passionate ha- hospitality individual. Like, you know, but if you look, I'm sure there's been people in other industries that never thought it would happen to them. We don't have to look too far when we see, um, let's say, you go into your local garage. It's actually a robot that gives you a coffee these days, and most of them, isn't it really? Yeah. So, what coffee you want and it'll give you the exact coffee of your your, your desired coffee and then your drive-through stations as well are all, all um, you know, the technology has brought them to where they need to be. So I, I don't know whether it's something that we'll be able to stop from happening. Like you look at the, the technological advancements that are already here, like the restaurant diary is nearly gone now entirely. Everybody has a digital diary to enter in all yes. their information. Uh, we've tablets um, at the front from our taking food orders and the, it's becoming more and more automated and it's, as much as we want it to stay the way it is and, and we want that, uh, you know, the personal experience, maybe it won't be a thing in the future, who knows? Oh, but Mark, please, I, 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 I'm going to stay at home then and just cook myself, to be honest with you. I'm not going out if that happens. I want to be served by uh, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who are pleasant, that you can interact with, that look after you, listen to your needs. And, you know, Mark, it adds so much to the experience. I don't have to tell you that. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, we pride ourselves on, on excellent service and we want that authentic Irish welcome, especially for tourists. If you had a robot involved, it'd have to have a very good culture accent now, I'll tell you. And then wearing the flag, they do it. I don't know what, we'll have to make sure that they have a really good personality if, they, if, if we want to make it anyway authentic. But, uh, uh, that's a great point, Mick, isn't it, that Mark makes there? If you hadn't got the old the colloquial local accent, well, forget it, Mick, as well, if, if it ever came to pass. No, and, and I, see, I see, I know, I see, uh, I was, on Dr. Google earlier today and I see a Japanese restaurant in Dublin and it's coming down the, the floor and singing Japanese songs to you like that's a niche market uh, <laughs> uh, you'd have to be singing Irish songs here in our restaurant another thing Jerry just on it like we, we like a lot of restaurants are split over two floors so you have the stairs involved as well which is not going to suit Bella uh, now we, we here introduced uh, QR codes for for people to uh, for menus simply because of the price fluctuations and that and that and even it met with and still meets with about 20% of uh, of of a bit of rebellion on, on people's part, you know, they just don't like it. So it's, it's, it's go up to a robot now would be a, a step too far for us. But anyway, we, we want, we're talking about tourism and we're talking about the town and we're talking about all the things that we like to do with our customers. Yeah. Uh, Bella's, not, Bella's not going to be conducive to that. And you still have to have someone at the point at the table to, to unload uh, Bella and load her back at the kitchen end so she, she's only just ferrying stuff for me to be really Yes and the comments are flying in Caroline Burke hello Caroline this afternoon says we were served by a robot during the summer in Nevins of Newport in County Mayo not for me I'm afraid Jerry. I like the human interaction uh, like yourself uh, and, and the, there, there's another one there uh, what does it say to me uh, <laughs> I had a robot at home but I had to show it to the sunny side of the door in the end <laughs> says another listener but look boys we I have to say to you in personal opinion here and you're right Mark God knows where the future is going here 
but God Almighty, long may it continue that we have the likes of yourselves with wonderful places to welcome us with fantastic staff that just make it great for us Irish and for all our visitors to the country too. I think the robots are getting the heave-ho out the door on late lunch this afternoon. Thank you both for joining me, boys. Thanks, Thanks Take care. Bye bye. That's Mark McGowan there from Scholars Townhouse and Peggy Moores and Mick Hughes from the wonderful Stockhouse in Trim. If you've anything to say to say about robotics, you know I'm still laughing here. Mick's robot and the hen night. <laughs> Think about it, think about it. As the early hours swing in and the other stuff swings into bodies and that as well. There you go. Anyway, make you made me day with that one. Keep me smiling for the rest of the day. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to contact us on Late Lunch. Coming up next, it's your two on Tuesday. It's time for our two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Yes, it's time for your two this Tuesday. And as requested by Miss Louise Walsh, we did it last week when she wasn't here. We came up into the naughty. She said, no more 90s for a while, please. Thank you, Eddie. August 2002, the 17th to be precise. It was number two for one week from their second album called A Rush of Blood to the Head. Yes, it's Coldplay. Yeah, Coldplay, our two on Tuesday on your late lunch. Well, are you happy, boss? Are you happy that we've hopped into the noughties? Yes, very. I think once you've Coldplay, everybody else can go home. (laughs) Are you surprised that didn't make number one now? It didn't. Number two in the UK charts. It, It won a Grammy in 2003. It was that highly thought of but never made the number one spot. And it was only uh, number two for one week. So the number one, okay? I don't know if I remember this one. Okay, the number one was a debut single, single, right? A debut single from Mm -hmm. a debut album from Scottish singer-songwriter Darius Campbell. Do you remember this? He finished third on the Uh, inaugural series of Pop Idol, which was the the forerunner to X Factor. And it was released on the 29th of July 2002. And this one spent two weeks at number one in the UK singles chart. Let's have a listen. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Colourblind. Darius Campbell, your two-play on Tuesday on Late Lunch. Yes, the number one that prevented Coldplay. Somebody said uh, with the all the talk of cop, it should be warm play. They should change their name to from Coldplay. I like that one. Anyway, Darius Campbell, Louise, colourblind. We're rocking today, aren't we? We are rocking. Yeah. Um, 
myself and Killian were just chatting here and there's something Chesney Hawk-esque kind of <laughs> bit cheesy about that one which is great because now we can't actually remember what Coldplay in my place sounded like yes I like that number mm, one. Me too. I think that's a great number one and I understand why it kept Coldplay yeah. from the number one spot. But here's the footnote. Darius Campbell snubbed Simon Cowell's multi-million dollar offer of a contract to <gasps> sign with him. Went on his own way. Was involved in a serious car accident in Spain in 2010. Suffered a broken neck. Chronic mm. pain for the rest of his life subsequently because he actually died in no August way. of this year. He passed wow. away. Yes, he died on the 11th of August this year. Sad to report, Darius Campbell. An accidental death, the coroner reported it as a suffocation and the toxic effects of chloroethane is what he died from in the States. He was found dead. Oh, that's awful. Sad, isn't it? Oh, very really sad, sad yeah. footnote to yeah. uh, our two and Tuesday today. It really yeah. is. Thanks for that, Jerry. Yeah, Thanks. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But we, you have to mention in the context Yeah, you have of the to. I didn't know that. And remember him. You know what I mean? He was a young man, really, with lots of talent. Mm. But there you go. He's but his gone song from will us. live on. His song will live on forever because it is an absolutely beautiful song. And now, Louise, uh, did you know where Louise has a PhD in biology? <laughs> in biology, it's something, ABC no, in biology. No, it's something. It's somethingology. I'm not sure whether it's biology, but anyway. But she, it makes sense. It was what I told you. Well, tell the listeners what <laughs> your theory is on children inheriting their intelligence from the mothers. Come on, tell it us. Can't work. It doesn't work like that. Okay, go on. Why? Well, my theory was, as I told you, if you get your intelligence from your mother, yes, you automatically pass should pass that intelligence on to your children because they get half their genes so it can't come directly from your wife and we looked it up here okay and it kind of gives a little bit of depth to what I'm rambling on about because it says that um, the premise of the post as you said seems to be that science has traced intelligent genes to the X chromosome and that children are more likely to inherit intelligence from their mothers because intelligent genes are located on the X chromosome, which mm. is the mother and the Y is the dad. Mm. And mothers have two. Uh, but they aren't identical chromosomes. And of course, they get one of them from their father. But there you go. I never Sorry. knew she was such a science boffin in my life. <laughs> Neither did I. I can understand why. <laughs> I can understand uh, the Y chromosome in men. Why can't I go to the pub? Why can't I go fishing? <laughs> why can't I go on holidays and with the boys? And you know what the X is from? Uh, uh, no, you can't. <laughs> We've worked it out and we're not even scientists why it's X and Y, women and men. Isn't wrong, that wrong, oh, wrong? I'll tell you, X. we're going to be awarded honorary degrees by Trinity <laughs> University. Well you are certainly after they hear this, your 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 uh, your thesis on, on the handing on the intelligence. Anyway <laughs> A man with a lot of intelligence when it comes to cars and more. The wonderful Tony Conlon is joining us next. Michael was listening to my channel with Professor John Sweeney and would like to ask the professor where's the proof of what he's talking about on climate change well there's a lot of proof at the moment if you're living in Ireland we're in monsoon territory at the moment I think we'll need boats that's number one we had the hottest spell ever look at the mildness of the weather in November and just look round the world Michael it's quite obvious there's something absolutely wrong and Michael goes on to say Cork City is below sea level well it's going to be 24 leagues under the sea shortly, Michael, if we keep going the way we're going. Thanks indeed for your comment. It's time to get on the road once more on late lunch with our motoring man, Tony Conlon. Hi, Tony. Not bad, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Before we go into cars, may I say again to you, I'd say your feet still haven't touched the ground and all the people involved with Trim. Congratulations again on being named the tidiest town in Ireland because we know the huge part you play, Tony. Ah, look, it's a giant effort, uh, Jerry. be true for which, and it's a giant effort over an awful long time. An awful long time, and it's grand as the floor now, titled since time begun, and uh, it's just it's just marvellous, like, you know, and it's all the volunteers, and council workers and staff, as I said to you, and everyone else, like, yeah. it's just uh, a marvellous achievement, you know. It is indeed, and enjoy it as champions for the next 12 months. Let's talk cars, Tony, and the car you've been driving since we last spoke is an absolute beauty. It's the Citroen, the new Citroen C5X model. This is a stunner, Tony. Yeah, there's no doubt at all about Jerry. Citroen are back 
are almost there because uh, now they're handled by the PSA group in Dublin, like Gown Group, and uh, their own individual management system and everything else. And they're, they're, uh, they used to handle them before, and they've done extremely well. And of course, you've Jack Dorn Mohurst there beside you in Drogheda now with this new C5X. A stunning model, Jerry. It's a cross between a saloon and a state and an SUV. We won't go too much in depth other than it's available a 1.2 petrol engine and automatic 8-speed transmission. And a 1.6 petrol PEV, which is a plug-in that will do about 70 kilometres of on pure electricity. Mm. Beautiful looking car, Jerry. There's no question at all about that. And there's one thing you just learned from this. If people are considering cars... Definitely, if you're going electric, it has to be automatic. But it doesn't matter what you're buying, diesel, petrol, consider automatic, because that is the way forward as far as I can see it at the moment. But it's a beautiful, fluid, dynamic design attached to this car, Jerry, and uh, lovely comfort element attached to it, too. Of course, they always featured something special about the suspension system. It's called an active advanced comfort suspension system that kind of drowns out potholes and bits of ramps that naturally you don't go too fast. And uh, it's on Clutter dashboard, full of high-tech inside, uh, from a 10-inch screen to 12-inch, depending on the trim levels. Four trim levels, price to start at 36990 For people considering buying a new car, or place an order maybe before 2023, go up and look at this C5X. And also look, please, at the C5 Aircross, which is kind of a fuller SUV with a huge, monstrous boot in it from 580 to 720. Again, expandable while up to 1700 then. So, it's a, again, price 39470 So you have two very interesting Citroëns. The C5X, Jerry, is brand new. The C5 Aircross, it's, it's not just a revamped version. It's much more than that. Front, rear, interior, and more tech on it and more equipment on it. Citroen were always renowned, Tony, for their comfort, but they've taken it again to a new level with this advanced, advanced comfort active suspension. Yes, they, they certainly have. And they, 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 I think the last time around we were speaking there about uh, the DS range of cars within the same French manufacturing group mm. as such, though they have a separate identity. But there's all this, they've always put out that extra half mile on design and futuristic uh, mechanical components, there would be suspensions, there would be design, as I said, there would be even the headlamps of the cars. Something always looked different and stood out in the Citroën. And I love that among, among manufacturers. Try to be different. Don't have every, every car looking the same, you know. The Citroën Diane, Tony. <laughs> what, oh, yeah, but, yeah. It, was, it was such a quaint little car. They've come a long way, haven't they? Ah, they have. There's no doubt at all about it. But do you know what? When you look at Renault there, you see them doing a kind of a, uh, concept of the Renault 4 at the recent yes. Paris Motor Show and the Renault 5. An awful lot of these are in mop balls, these cars like uh, the, the, the Rileys of this world, the Woolseys of this world, the, the Citroëns. You could see, you could see, uh, well, that Citroën you're speaking, you could see one of them in the next couple of years. Coming and back. What's coming back and probably in pure electric form. Wouldn't it be well able to handle a battery, Jerry? Oh, it certainly would. There's no doubt. I love the extended bonnet. I'm looking at the car here as I speak to you. The yeah. streamlined profile of it is terrific as well. They've got great uh, combination there. And the other thing, Tony, we talk about comfort, but it's a very roomy car looking at the the, the uh, 3D images here. Roomy in the back. Very, very comfortable in the back, Jerry. Uh, very roomy. There's no doubt all about it. Again, a very large boot that's, that's uh, flexible. And can be can be lowered and and increased in size. It's a lovely family car, and if you want to be that little bit more off the ground in a normal saloon, it could be the car for you. Mm. And if you want to be a little bit higher, then you have the C5 Aircross. But it's a very interesting car. I think it's a car that would definitely put Citroen back up there on the map in Ireland. Uh, Thirty six thousand nine hundred ninety. Believe it or not, I, I don't do too much comparison at the moment. I see this as a pretty fair price. I know cars are going up extremely high in price, but this is a fair price for what you're getting. I could mention smaller cars, some Japanese cars costing thirty four thousand. That would be half the size of this car. Yeah. So, uh, 
And, and in relation to valuation and everything else, that was a problem of one time. That will not be a problem now. OK, holding its value in the future, this one. And of course, it has all the IT and infotainment built into it as well at the touch of, of a finger. It's uh, highly recommended by Tony, as you hear, who loves this one. The new Citroen C5X model. Check it out. Now, you, you touched on Renault a moment ago there and, and news emerging from them that they're uh, doing really well when it comes to the share of the market they have now. Yeah, well, in October, the 17% market share or number one position in the overall market last month. And that's that's the Renault Group as such. But, but that might conclude commercials and that shit or whatever. But it goes to show you the work that's been put in out there, Jerry. I, I, I remember Renault management back down the years. They, they give the left teeth, back tooth for, for a position like this. And they're, they're working very hard, both, both from the marketing and sales and, and the perspective and public relations perspective they're, they're working extremely hard yeah the arcana is i see second best selling model in the overall car market for the month of october what about this dacia jogger the uh, the seven seater uh, have you had a chance to look at this yes we did actually discuss this way back did there. We? i think it might be in may april may oh thanks for reminding me you know me old head tony not at all uh, look look uh, you have a seven seater car here for for family uh uh, starting off with 26 odd thousand euro, I might have to go 27 and a half. Some people are shouting about it doesn't have all the five stars. Just I'm all I'm going to say to is no, it doesn't have the five stars. But read between the lines, it, it's 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 broken down one or two areas of that, but it's not it's not it's not uh, it's not doing too bad at all. It's there's a value factor here, and yes. Do read it about the five stars. I'm not going to go into all the safety details and, and the Eurostar capability and all that. But it, it's not, it's not, a, there's no false with the car. It's massive value for money. And the back seats will actually take adults. I sat in the back with mm. a great colleague of mine, Martin Brown, and they said no problem in the back of that car. So economical, carry the children, carry the family, carry the friends, take your time and give everything you want. And uh, again, getting the thumbs up from, from Tony there. Now, what about Land Rover? You have a little bit of news, have you, there for us? Yeah, well, well look, look, you could, I could, we could spend all evening, but I have to do this quickly. You have two new Range Rovers. You have the big Range Rover itself and the Range Rover Sport. Now, Jerry, if I, I was in spirit, spirit in the showroom, would you believe it was in this morning? I'm off today. And I was in this morning collecting the vehicle. And I wasn't a Range Rover, by the way. It was a small Jag. And... You'd nearly pay to go into the, the showroom to see the, the style, to see the layout, to see the technology, see the build quality. But let's get back to Range Rover. This particular Range Rover will do everything. It's, it's rear wheels turned off. It's all wheel steering. It's all around cameras. It's active noise cancellation. It has a cabin air purification system that even will keep COVID out. Now, how it does that, I'm not sure, but that's what I was told. First time available with seven seats. And it has the plug-in pev starts off at 146,000 euro. Now, this is the type of stuff, you either work very hard, you've been left to half the money or you won the lotto. Mm-hmm. But if you have any of them, I definitely look at it. <laughs> that's, that's a great qualification, Tony, and it's good to say that as well. And there are people in that bracket, you see. There's no question at all about it. The next one I drove off-road there, in the off-road section of the Carlton House there recently, was the Range Rover Sport. Now, I drove... Range Rovers and Land Rovers in Eastern Castle 25 years ago and to see the way tech and 30 years ago maybe to see the way technology and all the electronics changed these cars amazingly um, Jonathan Norman told me uh, John, he told me that there's anything from 3,000 to 3,500 microchips in each of these vehicles really yeah, so you're talking about cars. The suspension will go up and down itself with the press of a button, increase the height for, for rough ground. You will get a, can charge the sport in 80% in an hour. Uh, there's so much stuff, Jerry. Again, rear wheel, all wheel steering is optional. <laughs> We were switch we, on we, the heating from your house. <laughs> I you was going to say, Tony, we were talking about robots in restaurants earlier in the show uh, with Mick Hughes from the Stockhouse there and Mark McGowan. And I'm just thinking about this Range Rover. Should make your dinner for you. Well, almost. The lovely thing you could sit in and have a lovely dinner inside and have a takeaway. Uh, there's no doubt at all about it. But here's an interesting thing. Uh, if someone wants to Google and look into it, do you know the way our overhead, or the underground and overhead car parks, overground car parks, are tight, Jerry? Yes. There's, there's corners, and I, I, do, I do no disrespect to family members, as I say, 
try and flatten the park on the level because you destroy your allies. Yes, you know. I hate you, them. Yeah, you go on. cringe off them. And uh, anyway, there's a mechanism in this Range Rover Sport to protect the wheels, and the Sport starts a little bit. You mightn't have to win the lotto. One hundred and fourteen thousand in comparison to the big one, which is, as I said, for one hundred and forty-six. Yeah, yeah. So, Jerry, you're looking at personified quality. Yeah. You're looking at the very best of 4 before technology here. Mm. And while it sounds dreadful that I brought, with only a bit permission, by the way, uh, a beautiful 114,000 euros worth off-road, and I mean really off-road, Jerry. There was a, a driver with me too, uh, a helper, uh, just in case. But uh, but it's just fantastic technology, Jerry. There is people out there that yes. love cars like that. And yeah. on our off-road, it does the business, you're saying. And totally they're all going like electric eventually. You have the yep. versions here, the plug-in electric versions, and shortly you will have pure electric. That's it, Tony. And yeah, just to let you know before you go, I need technology like that. I couldn't park my car on the runway in Dublin Airport, so that says it all. <laughs> Tony, great to talk to you. See you next, see you next one, Tony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The brilliant Tony Conlon there reviewing his uh, latest marks on your late lunch. Miley Cyrus and Midnight Sky on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. I was watching a programme, it may be a repeat, uh, The World's Greatest Hotels, Louise, on television the other evening. Mm. Monica Galletti and Giles Corrin go to these great hotels. They were in Ashford Castle in the west of Ireland, as they said, one of the greatest in the world. And they spend a week there working all aspects of the hotel. But they were in the Lanesborough Hotel in London this week. Oh, Louise. We're locking it up here. Oh, Louise. Well, I, you've got to watch the programme back. It's an hour long. Impressed. It's £5,000 a night to no stay at No way. It. I'd pay 120 max. <laughs> it's not even modern. Like, it's old and no. Oh, no, no, it's not. Four no, poster no, beds. It's, and it's, no. only, it's only 30 years old. It's a relatively young hotel. Most expensive oh, to stay old. in in London. It is absolutely beautiful. The service in it, the food, everything about it. £5,000 a night. Do you know what? I don't want you commenting on hospitality anymore. You stick to the science and the, the genes and the biology, right? Leave, 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 leave the hospitality, the food, the catering to myself. You know what I mean? Will, will you do I'm that for me? I'm not commenting. Not at all. Don't be uh, saying No, I'm not looking like at pictures here. I'm just not impressed. No, sorry. Oh, it, it, it's unbelievable place. Unbelievable. You have your own personal butler. Your own personal butler for the time you stay there. They look after you. They do everything for you. It is just great, so it is. Oh, my, oh, my. Hope my numbers come up this week. I'll be over to the lanes. I'll go for one night anyway. I'll bring you with me. Is that all right? I wouldn't waste the money. You can just give me the five grand. No, I'll bring you with me. And I'll go on a shopping. I'll bring you with me and I'll put you into a hostel. (laughs) (laughs) Like the hostel Adrian Taft brought the LMFM crew to a few years ago to go and see the Gunners playing. We'll never forget it. It was like a mortuary. The Late Lunch Artist Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Yes, Shania Twain is my Artist of the Week this week. I mentioned uh, when I was concluding yesterday about her at eight years of age she was gigging uh, round Ontario earning money for her family money that was much needed moving on from there when she was 13 Shania sang with a local band called Longshot she secured an appearance on a primetime show on Canada television CBC TV uh, made a big impression there and continued writing her own songs while at the same time working at her dad's reforesting business in Ontario's wilderness she was in the middle of nowhere and it's a time she still recalls with fondness and love she says it was just a fantastic time in her life at 19 her talent was recognized and comparisons were being drawn at this stage with the great tanya tucker but in november and in fact on the 1st of november 1987 tragedy struck when her mother and father were both killed in a car accident It meant she had to put her career on hold for a number of years because she took over the parenting reins, looking after her younger siblings and supporting them by gigging in and around where she was living. It wasn't until 1993 
when Shania was 28 and her siblings could stand on their own feet, that the potential she always possessed finally emerged into the wider world beyond Ontario and Canada. She was signed by Mercury Nashville Records, adopted the name Shania because remember I told you she was actually Eileen Twain up until that point and Shania became her stage name. And uh, with the help of the record label, she released her debut album, which, to be honest, didn't do an awful lot then, but subsequently did, funny enough. So it wasn't until her second album, when she concluded with a man who would play a big part in our life, Robert Lang, uh, that she released The Woman in Me. That was the second album. And it was a massive hit with my track today becoming Shania's first big hit on the US country music charts. Whose bed have your boots been under? quintessential country song yeehaw Miss Shania Twain my artist of the week on your late lunch this afternoon that's a real country song a real real country song cracker indeed I'll have more about Shania in words and song right about this time tomorrow afternoon on the show now Paddy Clark the late Paddy Clark the great Paddy Clark who began his life as a wonderful soccer man with Drogheda Football Club and then moved into GAA, managed Loud, the Irish Team International Series, many clubs in Loud and Mead, left us some years ago. But there's a legacy that his family want to build upon and we're going to hear about it next on Late Lunch. Paddy Clark was a simply wonderful man. I had the pleasure of working with him on many occasions, interviewing him ad infinitum and he was just superb. And he began with soccer and Drogheda Football Club with the uh, youth team there that won FAI Cups and then he moved to Gaelic Games. He managed the international rules side along with Brian McIniff in 2001. He worked with Brian when they travelled out to Australia. He managed the Loud senior side from 97 to 2001 and had a remarkable record at club level, winning senior titles in five different counties. Uh, Stabann and Parnells and Mattock Rangers in Loud, Castle Blaney, Foggs in Monaghan, Kingscourt Stars in Cavan, Kilmain and Wood in Meath and St Bridget's in Dublin. A remarkable record indeed. And a man who soldiered with him for years by his side on the Loud County side is joining me next, Eugene Judge. Hello, Eugene. Jerry, Jerry, good to, good to get, get on. Not at all. Welcome to the show. When you just think and reflect on all that, Paddy, uh, on Paddy's record, Eugene, he was remarkable, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, it was something else, really, you know. And um, I'd say that's really the, uh, the touch of the iceberg, yes. really, you know. Mm. He's, it's just phenomenal, really, the record he had, really, you know. It's, uh, it's as you said, there are five different counties, uh, compromise rules. Mm. Even involved with Loud uh, when I was with him there to be All Ireland, you know, Division Two. Like it's, his record is endless, really. You know, it's mm. phenomenal, really, Jerry. You know, what had he, Eugene? You know, I often, he often, you know, the little laugh he'd give. I've, I, I yeah. asked him this, and he, he sort of skated around and he didn't really answer. But you, that were by his side for so long, what did he bring to the party that was, you know, that turned the teams he had into successful sides? He just uh, there was something about him, really. I think he. he he just could connect with people, which is which is very important, really. You know, mm. I've always said that over the years, and, and Paddy just had that in abundance, really. He'd come into a room, and he could just, you know, he could make that connection, even with the most difficult guys, really, and he could bring them along. And eventually, you could see that look, this guy, this guy has it. And in a lot of in a lot of cases, Paddy was probably underestimated, mm. big time. And I think only when people seen through, through Paddy, really, they realised that what he was bringing to the table was phenomenal, really, you know. Mm. He was ahead of his time, really, and you mentioned the point there. He, was, he really was a sportsman, first and foremost. Yeah. Like he did cross the void. He had no problem, really. Paddy had no problem, really, dipping into, you know, athletics, you know, rugby, soccer, Gaelic. You yes. know, if he thought he could gain a yard, he would basically, he would take from that sport. Yes. So overall... Yes, he, I think connection was a thing, he, and he was very inoffensive as well. Like, mm. That type of fella as well. He was just so inoffensive as well, Jerry. And, but he was, you know, really the prep that he put into things. It was, 
it was actually to the point at times you used to annoy me, Paddy. You know when I was wrong. <laughs> he was he was just unreal. <laughs> I was talking. Uh, I was talking to Peter McGinty. We were just busting up a couple of ex uh, intercounty players, and I hadn't been. You know, you you, know, you, you lose you lose contact with guys over the years. And Peter was a, a fellow young guy that came in the scene that played worlds. And Peter told me like. You know, he'd done, a, he'd done a small video and it would actually, you know, the video would be all about what he was doing well. It was all about positivity, you know, that type of thing. Mm. But uh, Peter, he was telling me, Peter was telling me this story, uh, Jerry. It was, uh, he, he, he suffered with uh, the hamstrings, you know. He, he was a serious, uh, explosive player when he was playing. And But Paddy got this thing and must have been talking to somebody or read something, but he sort of says it could be related back to the teeth, you see. Mm. <laughs> Peter was telling me this. <laughs> And I said, Jesus, Peter, the teeth. And he, he, he actually got a consultation, I think, for Peter, for a dentist. <laughs> Peter was telling me that. You know. And, you know, as I said to Peter, did you, you know, did it solve the problem, Peter? Not really. But it's like, Jesus, the dentist made a good job of your teeth. I mean, not there. Well, there you are. It was a win-win scenario all round. Listen, let's they, get... They, they, they all enjoyed. The one, yeah. the one thing I found about yeah. speaking to a lot of the lads was they all enjoyed playing on room and they actually liked coming to training, which is yes. probably the greatest compliment you can give to any manager or coach. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, you know? yeah. And to keep them, keep them interested and going oh, yeah. through all the difficult times as well. Now, let's get to the point quickly because uh, this... Paddy passed away in 2018, November, and COVID intervened and nothing could happen. And that's why this weekend uh, you're doing something special. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, look, we, we got together a couple of ex-players and a really, and uh, Paddy's uh, wife was the main instigator of this thing, really, the driving force really behind the whole thing. And it really, they wanted to do was, look, you know, to help, say, if they could, youth development and underage involvement in sport, like, it was something that Paddy was very, very passionate about, really. Mm. So we started to get got together uh, pre or post uh, COVID and a couple of players. We mulled over a couple of things and look, we decided we'd keep it fairly simple. And that's, you know, with the economical climate that's out there at the moment, people are finding it tough. We said, look, we'd run a sponsored walk, maybe over five, a short sponsored walk, walk over 5K, which would accommodate everybody, youths. And 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 older people even, you know. Yes. So this is this is the way we decided to go, and you know, uh, we called it then. We put a name in it. Then we said, look, we call it the Paddy Clark Memorial Walk, which was was the, you know was something that ex players and friends, you know, as ex players and friends, we wanted to acknowledge Paddy's massive contribution to all sports, mm. and in particular the GAA. You know, that's what we said. Yes. It and it's happening. Tell us where it's happening. It's this weekend. Well, it's happening now on Saturday, uh, the 12th of November, and it's at 11 o'clock. Uh, and the meeting place for all, the start and finish of the walk, is the Glen Emmett uh, Football Club. In Tully and, Allen. Yeah, and it's in Tully Allen. So we're hoping that, look, you know, everybody's welcome. Uh, you know, you're under no obligation. Uh, as I said, there'll be uh, refreshments before the walk, you know, that'll take you through the walk. And it's uh, after then, there'll be a cup of tea, soup and sandwiches. And look, it's more it's a fun thing and a bit of a get-together overall, uh, you know, for people maybe to have a chat and maybe meet up with someone they hadn't seen for maybe 5, 10 or, or 15 years. Great. You know, so we're very conscious. But we just hope that everybody will, will come a bit early, uh, Jerry. you know, just to get the thing off and start together, really. And it's, it's a leisure walk more than anything. That's yes. really what we're getting the whole thing for, yeah. you know. And are you asking people to contribute or get a few pound sponsorship? Is that the idea? Yeah, well, look, we, 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 have, a, uh, we have sponsorship cards out there at the moment. And if anybody is, uh, knows anybody, you know, if they would just throw a few bob, uh, you know, with a hat, they don't have to do the walk. Uh, it's it's uh, the other thing is there'll be buckets down the day if you want to throw make a donation there's no problem with that whatsoever and uh, so I mean it's it's it'll all help as I said and it's all going for a good cause and as I said it's something that Ines really wanted to do uh, for Paddy really it was something that he was very passionate about so look the cause is good 
And uh, as I said, it's, it'll be a good, it'll be a fun day. And all we, all we need to do is, is probably get a bit of dry weather, really, if we could do that, Jerry, That'd be yes. great. Yeah, know. well, look, that's yeah. what we're uh, appealing today for people who knew, if you knew Paddy, if you played for yeah. him, uh, if you were touched by him in any way, and many people were in their families. He, he was a man who reached far beyond sport and that as well. It's this Saturday, Tully Allen, the Glen Emmett's Club at 11am. And as, as uh, Eugene said there, if you can come a little earlier, that'd be great. And it's nice leisure walk 5k uh, remembering Paddy and the funds raised going to youth development in GAA it's all going to a very very good cause you're going to have a great turnout I know you are because the man he's looking down at us and I can see him smiling I can hear his laugh and he's left a tremendous legacy behind him Eugene thank you for joining me on the show Thanks for giving us the spot, Jerry. Thanks no bother. You're welcome. Take care. That's the wonderful Eugene Judge there. Great man himself. A wonderful success in his career, playing and managing as well, and was side by side with Paddy for years. Tully Allen, Glenn Emmett's, this Saturday, 11 a.m. Everybody welcome. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, we're going to the States to uh, talk about the fallout from the mid-term elections. There's another big election in the States with our man there, John M. Shanahan. Nicola Byrne is with me. Wonderful lady. Great businesswoman. We're doing a catch up on late lunch tomorrow. I haven't seen her for a while. Aoife O'Brien is here. She's an uh, expert in the employment field. And Strictly Come Dancing comes to the Feckins Club in Termin Fecken. We'll hear all about it on late lunch tomorrow. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive and more besides. Stay with us. Have a lovely Tuesday evening. See you for midweek late lunch Wednesday. Bye. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 40 Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.